Hello and welcome back to the PR department podcast. You're through to your host Katie Braden and this is episode 52. Um, One sec guys. I just quickly had to check the date of when this was going to come out so I could like greet you appropriately. Um, Happy New Year! <laughs> there we go. She's bang on. She's seasonal. She's festive. Um, Yeah, Happy New Year. Um, At the time that this comes out, um, I will be in Marrakesh. Um, Warm and I will be loving my life. But yeah, just needed to brag about that. You know, just some bragging rights just for a little second. Um, so let's start the new year with a little bit of a behind the scenes slash educational slash influencer marketing episode. Um, I know everyone's fascinated with influencer marketing and the sort of behind the scenes of it. So I thought I would talk through some elements of how it works when you put together a contract for an influencer project whether that be a sponsored post or an ad which is the same thing or a collaboration which is also the same thing as an ad you get what I mean um because they all have very similar pillars that you kind of need to do at the very very start and that sort of sets the preface of the whole relationship and it also helps you to understand what you're looking at when you see sponsored posts or ads or like why people are talking about things at certain times and why they're not and etc 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 so the first thing that you sort of decide as a team from a brand perspective before you reach out to an influencer is what you want them to do <laughs> which is very simple so this will be um logistically like what you want them to do so when I say logistically I mean like do you want them to make you a reel for Instagram do you want them to make you a TikTok do you want them to post stories do you want them to make you a YouTube video like that is sort of the logistic side of it and then you have the creative side of it so what do you want that content to look like is it a get ready with me is it a how-to is it an unboxing is it a focus on like ingredient information you know is you can make a list as long as your arm creative is creative it's it's open it's very open so if I'm talking with like a sponsored post in mind or an advertising post if you will like more of a one-off um I'll usually logistically propose a package so I'll say like can I have one reel for Instagram that's going to be reposted on TikTok or vice versa depending on which platform is stronger for the influencer I'm contacting and then if it's Instagram led I'll then ask for like one real one to three stories one of which including a swipe up uh shopping link I'm really showing my age there because they're not a swipe up anymore it's just a click but you know what I mean a shopping link um so that is the package that I would usually propose um and I'll go straight in with that without sort of leaving it to them if you will to come back and say like what they want to do I'll go straight in and say I want this 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 and this the reason why I do that straight away is because it really helps the influencer or the agent to understand like what they're pricing for logistically so they know they're pricing up for one reel three stories one shopping link etc etc 
Um, so all of these things that we do is essentially so that the influencer or the agent can price it correctly. Um, and all of these elements affect the price. So if I'm asking for one reel for Instagram and then a different video for TikTok, like obviously that's going to be double the price. So if you have a lower budget, doing something like an Instagram reel reposted on TikTok is a little bit more um, ecological for your budget. A uh, little, little inside tip there that I like to use. Um, and then when it comes to creative brief, so I think where it goes wrong with creative brief um, at this stage in culture and society is being too brand heavy on the creative brief. So if we'd have done this a year ago, and I probably have spoken about this on my podcast a year ago, so you can probably go back and reference it. Um, if we were to have done this a year ago, um, the creative brief that I would have set a year ago would be very, very different to how I would set now. So a year ago, it would have been very much like, say if we were doing a shampoo and conditioner focus, it would have been like, right, all of the hair products have to be that one brand. You can't use any other hair products. There can be no other products in the background. It has to be a clear background. No other products in the video. Very like one brand led video no matter what it is, like it's very, um, this is the only brand that is to be spoken about and that's it. However, in 2000 and I was going to say 23, we're in 24 now. I mean, technically I'm talking to you from the past, so I am actually in 2023, but you guys, I'm in your ears in 2024, so <laughs> time travel. Um, so nowadays, it's not I always encourage my brands to not be so brand heavy in a salesy way because organic feeling and looking content, I think, performs so much better across both Instagram and TikTok. It's the one thing that both platforms can agree on. If something looks too much like advertising, um, people instantly tap out or they instantly assume it's a lie. <laughs> like we've reached a point in our society where our brains see the word hashtag ad and we go lying like so instantly people are not interested so how we try and combat that from the brand perspective and from an advertising perspective is try and make the ad feel as organic as possible so I not only like to make the ad feel organic as possible I like the ad to be organic and what I mean by that is I know a lot of brands work in a way where they'll be allocated a budget for influence marketing. They'll go out to their top five influencers who they think work brilliantly for the campaign. They'll say, we've got this much money. We want you to do X, Y, Z, which is what I stated about five minutes ago with the reel and the stories and the swipe up link, not swipe up, click link, etc., etc. And then they'll agree on a price. They'll get the products. They'll do the ad. They'll post the ad. Bob's your uncle done, right? But that is where your consumers side-eye you a little bit and go, um, hang on a minute, what's this? Because that person prior to that advertising campaign, prior to being paid to talk about those products, has never had a relationship with that brand or those products before. So where I think sponsored posts really work, and I think this is where brands really miss a trick because they don't think in this way, even though it's very obvious, Sponsored posts work when it comes out of an organic long-term relationship and I know influencers hate that because 
Obviously, they want to be paid when they promote a product. However, there has to be a relationship there, both behind the scenes and front of house where consumers are viewing the content. And I say this time and time again, somebody who does this really, really, really well is Jamie Genevieve. Um, and I think that's why she's been able to have such longevity, A, with brands and B, with her followers, because she has something she loves and she talks about it and she talks about it and she talks about it and she talks about it. And then she does a sponsored post. And as a follower and as a watcher of her, that sponsored post doesn't bother me because to me, that's, it feels like an organic progression. Um, like I recently worked with an influencer on some hair products and how the relationship happened was we gifted her some hair products she loved them she ended up trying them over a period of time didn't hear anything from her she didn't post anything for ages then randomly she started posting about them because she decided she'd really like them obviously they'd become a staple in her routine by this point so it wasn't a throwaway like oh these this brand's just sent me these products like she'd actually gone away and tried them realized she really liked them they were they were a staple in her routine and then she would talk about them in the sense of her routine and the brand instantly emailed me and were like, um, we're getting sales off this, which is, you know, really random because usually you don't get sales off like organic PR placement. It's just like, you know, to get your brand out there and brand association and brand building and all that jazz. Um, so then a few weeks later, we started working with her on a sponsored post and that sponsored post did better than any sponsored post I could have ever imagined because there was that organic progression and her followers could really see the organic step by step and the fact that she genuinely loved these products and then she was being rewarded from the brand you know doing her job but it wasn't it didn't feel like an ad and I think that is so important from all angles and another way that we're not making it feel like an ad is not making it super brand heavy which is the point I was making just before and that means I might even go as far as let them use other brands in the video so if we're focusing on shampoo and conditioner they might use different styling products or they might use different heated tools or brushes or you know there might be other products in the background and we can't be too hard on that because that's real life and that is what is organic and if this person for example if we're asking them to do a get ready with me how many times in your life have you done a get ready with you I mean never but when have you ever gotten ready (laughs) and only used one specific brand from start to finish in your entire routine like never never it's really alien like in human life that's not how we do things so that's how you have to think when you come to influencer ads and influence marketing because when somebody's doing a full routine with every single product from one brand that is so alien to how we actually operate and humans will pick up on that subconsciously when they view the ad so in this day and age, I'm really starting to convince brands that they have to go more down this like organic feeling route in order to have success with people, A, being interested in their products, wanting to follow them and B, wanting to buy them fundamentally, which is the whole point of advertising. So when it comes to creative as well, I genuinely let the influencers lead as opposed to the brand so usually the brand will have a say on the product focus like what the influencers are talking about especially if they've got a big range of products like we usually don't let influencers go rogue and just pick whatever they want usually there's like a specific product focus whether it is like a new launch or 
something when they want to highlight a range in particular for example um and they'll have a say of sort of what they want to see in that video so for example like if there's a key ingredient in a shampoo and conditioner that they want to be highlighted or if a styling product needs to be used in a certain way that needs to be highlighted like those are the sort of things from the brand side that will then make it into that creative brief but aside from that usually it's quite led by the influencers so for example if you're speaking like hair influencers, let's stay on theme, and they do a lot of like hair wash routine videos or get ready with me's, then nine times out of 10, I'll say, we'd like one of your hair wash videos, please, because that's something that their followers follow them for and they're interested in seeing. So it, again, it fits organically into their content and it's not like, oh, this is an ad. I am doing this thing and it feels like QVC. Do you know what I mean? So that's sort of a little bit more detail on how we would form an initial creative brief. Um, The next thing to talk about is usage and usage is a bitch. Um, But it's really, really important for both sides Um, and it can really affect budget. So it's really important to get right. So usage is basically how the content can be used in a nutshell, where it can be put. And what I mean by that is, is it going to be reposted on the brand's page? Is it going to be used in ads like Instagram ads like is money going to be put behind that content are they going to take it out of Instagram and use it on their website are they going to use it in their e-marketing are they going to put it on the side of a bus are they going to use it on a billboard like this really is how long is a piece of string sort of activity and when you're defining that obviously if we use an extreme example like if if an influencer is doing um a photo shoot for me and then I take those photos and I want to put them on a billboard over Christmas for six months like obviously that usage bill is going to be massive as opposed to if I just take those pictures and repost it on my brand page um so usually influencers and agents will agree to you having the content to repost organically with no money behind it so no ads no boosting um just you know repost on the page very simple um that usually is free um sometimes they it's not free but nine times out of ten is free and then anything from there is an added charge um so if I did want to do my billboard for six months obviously I'm paying for the usage of that content on that scale and how we usually price is on scale so how many people are going to see that so if it's like a billboard in Times Square like millions of people are going to see that so that usage bill is going to be absolutely humongous um so sometimes when you're asking for a lot of usage, the usage bill can be higher than the actual bill itself. So you have to be so careful. Number one, to define it, because from an influencer perspective, if you don't define your usage and you don't sign a contract where your usage is laid out, that brand essentially can take your content and do anything with it. Like a couple of years ago, I was talking to an influencer whose content had been taken and all of a sudden she was on the side of a bus in London and she was like, oh my God. And obviously she got paid a couple of hundred quid to produce that content. And now it's on the side of a London bus. Like that usage would have been thousands if she'd have taken it. Um, 
you know, it goes back to original usage licensing sort of thing with models. Like models have it really hardcore. So if you're signing a model for a campaign, you have to sign usage as to how long you can use that model as the face of whatever campaign it is that those images. Usually it's like six months to a year and then you have to like renegotiate it. And once it runs out, you can't use those images anymore because what's to stop that brand who shot that campaign using those images forever and using the model as the face of that brand like forever? Um, so, you know, they have to get paid for how long you're going to use those images and how many people are going to be seeing those images. Like it's advertising at the end of the day. And when you think of it as that content you are the face of, obviously it makes sense as to why you would be paid for that. So usage is really, really important on both sides for it to be really, really clear. And then the final thing, obviously there's lots of other little niggly bits, but these are like the main the main sort of milestones. The last one is exclusivity and your exclusivity clause is also so important. So how an exclusivity clause works is it means that you will be exclusive to that brand in that category for a certain period of time. So if we go back to our like shampoo and conditioner with a hair influencer example, if I was asking for exclusivity, I would say, right, you, Miss Influencer, are going to be exclusive to brand for the category of shampoo and conditioner for the next six months and what that means is that influencer cannot use any other shampoo and conditioners for the next six months so why this needs to be financially um what is the word I was going to say financially paid for that is absolutely not good English um financially compensated is correct Um, Why that's so important is because if you've got Miss Hair Influencer who makes her money promoting hair brands and hair products, if I want her to only speak about one hair shampoo and conditioner and one hair brand for six months, imagine how much money she's going to lose from other sponsorships. Like if she had no exclusivity clauses, she could essentially be posting a different hair shampoo and conditioner every single day and she could be getting paid every single day by a different brand. So with that in mind, if I'm saying to her, you can't take any other deals, you can't talk about any other brands within that category for the next six months, like I'm going to be sort of taking, I'm going to be blocking them from other income and other brands and other relationships. So that's so important. Um, Usually with my deals, I go for no exclusivity and the reason why I do that is because they're usually relatively small, like sponsored posts or projects. They're not like huge campaigns, but usually it's down to the discretion of the influencer. And I think nine times out of 10, influencers understand that if you're promoting a different brand, a different product every single day, again, coming back to what feels organic, it's obvious that you're lying because coming back to being human, uh, you don't use a different shampoo and conditioner every single day, do you? And then you don't claim you've got a different favorite every single week do you? So same goes for influencers. So I think when you leave it up to sort of common sense and discretion, nine times out of 10, it sort of shakes out how it's supposed to um, because the influencer is not going to be promoting shampoo and conditioner like right after they've just done a a sponsored post for a shampoo and conditioner because it's going to feel really inauthentic. But some do, some do. So that's why it's important to clarify because you should never ever with sponsorships, with ads, with influencer marketing, take anything for granted like every 
finer detail has to go in writing even if it feels pedantic it has to go in a contract because it just protects both sides and it also makes each project really super clear and that is what we're in the business of is clear communication like I have never ever had an activity run and either side the brand or the influencer be like oh that didn't go how I thought it was going to because the way that I structure my campaigns is that we go for a no surprises approach (laughs) which I'm always baffled when I hear how other people do it and I'm like oh so you like surprises okay cool um but yeah those are the three sort of like markers of influencer marketing and how I kind of clarify things and start things from the get-go when I have when I am having these initial conversations with agents influencers um brands even you know even when I'm educating brands and I'm letting them know how things are going to run and the things that they need to decide internally before I can then go out and like find the appropriate person for the job and like essentially make it happen um but yeah, if you have any questions about these things, like this was quite a very like education and logistic heavy episode. But if you have any questions, pop over to the Instagram at the PR department podcast or my personal Instagram, which is Katie Braden PR and my personal TikTok, which is the same name, Katie Braden PR, because I'm always happy to answer questions and have discourse, you know, about these topics. Like I absolutely love talking about all things PR marketing, influence marketing. Um, it is my life and it is fascinating so if you want to chat to me about anything to do with those topics head over there Um, but in the meantime I will see you in the next one